Just a couple of quick notices, guys. It's going to be the same thing as last time. I just want to make a couple of shout-outs. Um, I'm really enjoying this whole podcasting thing. Um, so I wouldn't be able to do it without quite a few people that help make it possible. Um, so first of all, again, JPEG Productions. Shout-out to my boy, Bodit. Um, Barth, Uk, Sean, if you guys need any help with anything graphics or computer orientated, um, he doesn't specialize in any one particular thing, but he's an all-round dude that sort of knows a little bit about everything that can help you out, so by all means, if you've got a couple of curious questions, you want to know what I'm using or anything like that in regards to my digital setup or computer, feel free to hit him up at JPEG Productions, guys, Instagram, um, he's Barth, Uk, Sean on Facebook as well, so, um, hit him up. I'd like to thank my friend Mikey, Michael Stevenson, man. What's up? We need to catch up, bruh. Come around for the next fights because this man and his band Skylar Days really helped me out with my intro and outro music. So um, you guys wouldn't be hearing that cool little fucking guitar riff that you hear if it wasn't for my man Mikey. So shout out Mikey and thanks a lot. And last but not least, I want to make a big shout out to Chelsea Delarue. Now, um, I went to the UFC Auckland recently and I gave out every sticker that I had left bar one. Um, I gave them to every fighter that I managed to meet and take photos with. So that was really cool, man. It's kind of cool to have something to show off to people in a, in a, in a physical copy. Um, she did amazing in regards to my logo. She's so easy to work with. She's so nice and polite. Um, if you want to make any changes, she doesn't get all angry and shitty about it. Um, she understands some people are artistic and know exactly what they want. She understands there's some people like me where I give her a photo and say, Hey, can you make that look cool? So yeah, she does digital prints, physical prints, originals, uh, copies, you name it, she got it, she can do it. So check her out guys, De La Rue Creative, I'll say that again, De La Rue Creative, that's D-E-L-A space R-U-E, Creative. So yeah guys, um, hope you guys have got your fucking duck. Uh, your socks duct taped to your legs because they may get blown off for this episode. It's a bit hard and fast, so hold on, guys. Let's do it. What the fuck is up, freak bitches? Welcome to another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Cauliflower Ear. Welcome back to all the real consistent listeners. Welcome to the first time listeners. Guys, we're going to get balls deep straight into it, man. We're going to talk about uh, UFC fight night in Singapore. Um, Holly Holm versus Baichakohea. Um, We might talk a little bit of gossip later on at this episode, but I just thought we'd jump balls deep in. Um, first of all, I might as well say straight off, this event is a UFC Fight Pass exclusive, so what that means is if you don't have Fight Pass, uh, you're not really going to be able to find it anywhere else. From what I've heard, I think they play it on Fox as well, if you're in the States, but the most, uh, the things that I've seen the most is that it's only on Fight Pass. I mean, I guess the UFC doesn't like ratings, um, because... This card, you know, like on YouTube or on Sky Sport or something like that would probably do really good numbers, but the fact that they're limiting it to just Fight Pass, I know what they're sort of trying to do, like, you know, trying to really push the brand, try and really push the uh, push the product, try and, you know, really show people how good the UFC Fight Pass really is, but I feel like you should have you should have done something in the earlier events, like, uh, uh, in the prelims maybe, that gave them a reason to, oh shit, i got to sign up for that. 
rather than, ah, you know, most people aren't really going to sign up for Holly Holm versus Bitch Kahea, but I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, because this is the battle of the woman that knocked out Ronda and the woman that got knocked out by Ronda, so that'll be, um, that'll be an interesting breakdown later on. So I'll jump balls deep into it, guys. Um, I'll start off with my fighting under the radar, as per usual. Um, this usually was supposed to be a fight that not many people knew about or wasn't getting much hype. Um, I've ended up just changing it just straight out to being what, what's basically just going to be the fight of the night, what one most people don't know about, and it's probably going to be a fucking good fight, um, they don't have to necessarily be nobodies, they could be people that are quite well known, but maybe are on the prelims, like when Eddie Alvarez, um, and Dustin Poirier were on the prelims, that fight wasn't getting fuck all hype, man, so... I felt like that really needed a bit more of a shout-out. So, you know, just, just sort of examples, just just fights like that. Um, So for this fight, I'm going to go with Justin Scoggins and Ulka Sasaki. Uh, Ulka Sasaki fights out of Japan. He's got a 19-4 and record with two draws. Uh, and Justin Scoggins is 11-3. and um, I'm trying to think. Let me just quickly think. I think Scoggins... Scoggins lost to Wilson Hayes. Uh, Let me just have a quick look. I just want to make sure I've got this right, that's all. Because off the top of my head, uh, I don't have the best... um, I don't have the best memory, that's for sure. But the one thing... The thing that I do like about Justin Scoggins, the reason... Okay, so fucking first off. um, I think Justin Scoggins will win this, for sure. Um, he's been in the UFC longer, he's had more fights in the UFC longer, um, and even stylistically, I think he's got the advantage. Yeah, that's right, he's only lost three, his, his three losses have come in the UFC, so that's cool, so it basically means that, yeah, he's lost, but it means he's lost in, you know, the highest level promotion that we have currently at the moment behind Bellator, ah, in front of Bellator, sorry. The three people he's lost to was Dustin Ortiz, John Moraga, and and Pedro Munoz. If you don't know Dustin Ortiz, then I don't have the time to tell you about him. John Moraga just fought uh, last weekend at UFC Auckland. Finally snapped his three-fight losing streak. And Pedro Munoz. Now, the reason why I'm picking Justin Scoggins is I, wa- I watched the fights. I watched Ulka Sasaki's uh, last three. I watched Scoggins' last three. I watched their um, all their finishes. Like, the, the you know, I, I basically I've watched every fight. And from what I've seen... Ulka relies on uh, grappling. He's 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 much a grappler. He has a really really amazing talent for taking the back and actually finishing them, finishing the choke from there. Uh, he has two submissions uh, in the UFC, and both of them are by rear naked choke. And actually, those are the only ones he has. Um, he has so he's he's. Three out of five in the UFC. He beat uh, Hong Jung Ji. Oh, no, wait, that's not in the UFC. He beat Honald, Ronald DeLorme by Renek Choke on the Bisping versus Kung Lee card. He then lost to Leonardo Issa by Renek Choke. He lost to Taylor La- Lapras, Taylor Lapras, I know that's a Pokemon, but that's about as close as I can come to pronouncing it, um, he lost that by TKO, he beat Willie Gates by Rear Naked Choke, and he lost to Wilson Hayes by Rear Naked Choke, so he doesn't have the greatest record in MMA, but it's not even so much his record that I'm looking at, it's star- It's the stylistic matchup, when you look at Scoggins, he definitely has the stand-up, he, it, the stand-up is definitely in, in, in his favor, regardless, 
Um, I would say Uka has been working his stand-up, definitely. Um, probably been working his takedowns more than anything. Because you're not going to stay on the feet with Justin Scoggins. If you watch him fight... If you don't know Justin Scoggins, you need to go to YouTube. And you need to check out his uh, uh, compilation clips, his highlights, everything. Because I tell you what... People say, oh, he's like Wonder Boy, but smaller. And I don't like it when they use the word smaller. I prefer he's like Wonder Boy, but more active. Wonder Boy being 170 pounds, maybe cutting down from 185, 190 at the most, maybe. He has a certain amount of gas, you know, especially if he's going five rounds. He can only throw so many things so often. But when you're 125 pounds and you've got a gas tank like Justin Scoggins does, you know, he... he essentially is the exact same style when he's southpaw which is a right leg forward he throws a lot of side kicks round kicks hook kicks off the front leg when he switches to orthodox that's when you usually see a lot more punch combinations and round kicks particularly to the legs um so i i definitely think he's got the advantage in the stand-up but the problem that orca sasaki is going to probably run into is that orca's strength is grappling but if you haven't watched uh, a full Scoggins fight, the man can grapple like a motherfucker too, and I don't just mean jujitsu, like passing the guard type deal, he can take a dude down, he'll fake a jab, or he'll fake a side kick and duck in and take you down, pass a guard, you know, get you into side control, start dropping elbows and try and take you back, and his first fight actually, that's what he ended up doing, taking dudes back and just TKOing him from there, like just pounding him out um, after taking dudes back, so... Uh, I, I think Scoggins is a more well-rounded uh, mixed martial artist. Ulka Sasaki definitely has some skills, and he's definitely not one to sleep on. So I'm not saying that Sasaki has absolutely no chance whatsoever. But, like some people, I'm probably going to put money on it. So if I had to put money on this fight, I'd have to put uh, money on Scoggins to TKO him in the second, uh, late second, early third. So I, I'm not a big fan on calling rounds, but I'm just thinking about gas tank, uh, Scoggins is probably going to take him down a few times, um, he'll, he'll land a few shots, but he'll make Sasaki think, I don't want to go to ground with him, and I'm definitely not having any success staying on the feet, and he's just going to end up like, um, Dominic Cruz versus Uriah Faber, Uriah just ended up just like a deer caught in the headlights, you know, just wasn't sure what to do, wasn't sure where to move, he, um, same thing, Scoggins presents such a problem, he's so unorthodox, he throws shit from such weird angles, um, one of the big things I heard in his corner about when they break from the clinch, um, a lot of people like to throw hooks or straight punches when they break from the clinch, whether it be a boxing clinch, tie clinch, you know, double underhooks, body clinch, body lock clinch, sorry, um, everybody has their different ways of doing it, some people th throw elbows off the tie clinch, throw hooks off the clinch, straight punches or kicks off the clinch, the, the thing that I found the most interesting is that his coaches encourage him off the clinch to throw the round kick off the right leg, sort of come up over the shoulder, like the question mark kick, sort of comes straight up to the waist, like comes up like a front kick until it hits the waist, and then you hook round, you know, so, uh, uh, backwards, you know, you don't, you, so it ends up looking like a question mark, um, that's something I don't see very often, I, I haven't seen it land too often either, especially with Scoggins, it's a particularly difficult technique to land, especially from such a weird position to go from leaning into him, leaning into him, then leaning back and throwing that head kick, so I don't know if that's going to become much of a, a part, uh, in this play, but who knows, um, 
But I definitely think if, if, yeah, if you guys want to put money, if you guys want to find out about somebody, if you guys want to know about an up-and-comer that you really should be watching, a Donald Cerrone-type dude, a guy that'll fight fucking anybody, anytime, anywhere, and he's just down to fight, doesn't doesn't care about the politics. Again, like my last fighting under the radar and the fight before that. Justin motherfucking Scoggins is somebody to look out for. So, if you don't know, now you know, ninja. Um... So, guys, now we're going to break into the main card. Now, like I was saying earlier, uh, like most of the UFC cards that have been coming out lately, I had a bit of a problem with picking who my fighting under the radar was going to be. Um, you know, like you've got Alex Caceres, Walt Harris, Takanori Gomi, John Tuck. You've got a lot of people on the prelims that definitely deserved a lot of attention, but I had to really narrow it down, and Scoggins was definitely the guy I had to narrow it down to. I mean... A little bit biased, not even just because I think he's the best fight on the card, but I just... Sorry, guys. Man, I got burps like a motherfucker. No, no, no. Just Scoggin's style in general. The hands down, super dexterous kicks. Um, you know, he's got great grappling, so that that's why I had to pick him. But, guys, I really do think it's worth grabbing... Um, Signing up to Fight Pass. Your first month is free, as far as I remember. If it's not, it's $5 American, $15 New Zealand, $14.99. And I mean, really, $15 for the biggest mixed martial arts library that you can find online, as far as I'm aware of. So, sure, maybe you disagree with me and say this card's not worth the $15, but uh, studying the people that are on this card... Um, it's definitely worth the $15, and you're only going to get that from Fight Pass. So, guys, um, I'm not being paid for this. Have a look. Check it out. Um, and, hey, we can have a chat about it, who you think, who's a good fighter, and who's not, and whether it's worth the money. So, um, I digress. But so the main card, we're going to get straight into it. The first fight on the main card, we got Tarek Safadine versus Rafaelo de los Anjos. Now, for those of you that don't understand my fucking weird white boy lingo, that's Rafael dos Anjos. He's making his 170-pound debut, moving up from 155 pounds. Um, for those of you that don't know Rafael, he's most notably known as uh, the guy that took the title. Uh, he KO'd ben Benson Henderson, took the title from Perez. He stopped uh, Cowboy. And then he went in and he fought Eddie Alvarez and he got stopped. It was a TKO. Like, he didn't get starched. He got put on Queer Street and he just couldn't recover after that. For those of you that don't know what Queer Street is or find it a little bit offensive, he got hit with a right hand. It hit him just above the temple and he started doing the chicken dance. It's like he was square dancing on a straight line. Dude was just, you know, just river dancing all up in this motherfucker but without the rhythm. Didn't look good. Eddie ended up stopping him, and that was that was probably one of the most famous, you know, Eddie Alvarez. Don't bring the dog out of me! Don't bring the dog out of me! And then it was the fight after that that Eddie got wrecked by Connor. But that's besides the point. So, Rafael had a lot of success at 155 pounds. Apparently, the last weight cut he had was pretty brutal. Um, he did an interview with Ariel Hawani about he couldn't see or he couldn't walk or something like that. I get it confused with Anthony Perez because Perez had the same problem with his um, last weight cut at 145 pounds. It just wasn't wasn't working for him. So um, I think the fact that half the hour you take take his style, you take into account that he's doesn't have to cut as much weight. He's going to come in a little bit bigger than usual. He's probably going to do a Frankie Edgar, cut 5, 10 pounds at most. It's not going to be a lot. Um... 
And when you take into account Tarek Safferding, now Tarek Safferding's biggest losses are usually fights where he's not very active. He takes a lot of damage, he gasses. A phenomenal kicker. Don't get me fucking wrong. Um, he's from the same backyard as Boss Rutten and Jermaine Durandamy. Um, so he's got that 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 Dutch hard style of sparring. So yeah, like I was saying earlier, he kicks like a motherfucking donkey. Um, his big problem is when he slows down and he lets people put pressure on him. Um, they try to suffocate him and try and stop the kicks by getting in his face, not giving him a lot of room and taking him down, um, especially up against the cage. And that is half a yard specialty. You look at what he did to Perez. He did that for five rounds, just took him down, can open at him, beat him up from the guard. I think Hafael can definitely do that to Tarek. Um, but again, it's, a, you know, a lot of, oh, you know, going up to a bigger weight class, they're bigger than what he's used to. You know, I'll reference Cowboy. Everybody was saying, you know, when he wanted to go up to 170, people were telling him that people were too big at 170. He needed to stay at 155. He went up to 170. He's fucking wrecking dudes now. As soon as Eddie won the title from Rafael, he started talking about, hey, Eddie, we need a rematch. You've got something that belongs to me. You know, and, and he's talking about going back down to 155 to beat Eddie for the title because he's already beaten Eddie. Oh, no, 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 you know, you're amazing at 170, you know. Don't destroy yourself trying to make the cut to 150. So it's, you can't win. It doesn't matter whether you, uh, you're trying to please management, you're trying to please the fans, it doesn't matter. So I, I think Hafael needs to keep doing what he's doing, stay at 170, um, regardless of this win or loss. I think you can't judge too much um, off this debut, whether he loses by decision or uh, a stoppage. You've got to give a brother a little bit of time to adjust to the weight cut, adjust to what it's like fighting to bigger people. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that one, but I think that's going to be a fucking banger. Um, next up, we've got Colby Covington versus Dong Yong Kim. Um, Colby Covington fights out of American Top Team. There's been a lot of talk about him being a real savage, um, somebody to watch out for that was coming up that a lot of people hadn't heard of. He fought in AFC, CFA, Fight Time. Um, he made his UFC debut against Anna Yang Wang, which he won by submission punches. Sorry, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia at the moment. It was on the Bisping versus Kung Lee card. And I'm looking at it. He was 5-0 and when he came into the UFC. He won his debut, which made him 6-0, and against Ang Yang Wang. And it says, method of victory, submission, and in brackets, punches. Now, usually when you get a TKO, they say by punches, by kicks, by ground, you know, like something like that. But I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I've got to have to look into that guys, um, I'll put that up on Instagram, I'll put a little um, video up, just to clarify this, because I'm really confused, Ang Ying Wang, you won by submission and punches, um, anyway, his next fight was on the Shogun versus St. Peru card, where Ovin's fucking step away, left hooked fucking Shogun, um, he beat Wagner Silva with a submission, uh, Ren Akechoke, his next fight, he decisioned Mike Pyle, he lost to Wally Alves by guillotine choke, and if you don't know Wally Alves, then you can go fuck yourself, because I don't have time to explain Wally Alves and who the fuck he is, but if you have Fight Pass, go look him up. If you don't, get it. Not just for the card, have a look at Wally Alves, check out who he is. Um, Jonathan Manuel by Rear Naked Choke, Max Griffin by TKO, and most recently on the Van Zant versus Michelle Waterson card, um, he fought Brian Barbarena, which he won by decision. 
Now, I haven't been following Colby Covington uh, as closely as I'd like to. There's a lot of different fighters that are on the UFC roster. Uh, I work 50 hours a week-ish, depending on, um, you know, what kind of jobs we got on. So i got a lot of things going on. I don't always have the time to watch every prelim. And if I do, man, I can only hold so much information in my head. So I can't remember everything. But from what I've been hearing, especially from Team Alpha Male and a lot of the podcasts I listen to, um, and they range from the UFC Unfiltered to Michael Bisping, Joe Rogan, uh, Tyron Woodley when he decides he wants to put these nuts up on iTunes. Um, I listen to a lot of different people, but Colby Covington apparently is the real deal. He's not a joke. He's not, you know, not like uh, Artem Lobov where he's just got a lot of hype behind him and people are super, ex- you know, like nothing like that. But if I had to put money... Um, I'm looking at the stun gun, Dong Yong Kim, apart from his recent fight against Tarek Safadine, he was on quite a run, and a finishing run too, he was wrecking dudes, uh, Eric Silva, he KO'd, John Hathaway, he KO'd with a spinning back elbow, he then lost to Tyron Woodley, but he's a current champion, so you can, you know, that's a bit of an asterisk, you give him... You give him the benefit of the doubt in that one. Joshua Berkman, he subbed with a hidden arm choke. Dominic Waters, he TKO'd. And then Tarek Safadine at uh, UFC 207 in December. He um, split decisioned him. Um, and, and like I was saying earlier, Tarek Safadine is on this card, uh, so he's nothing to turn your nose up at. Um, Tarek offered a lot of problems uh, in that fight. Dongyam tried to grind him out, uh, try and gas him, do a lot of wrestling up against the cage. Tarek was very resilient in that fight, so I don't think it's so much that uh, Dongyong Kim didn't perform or he didn't match up or he didn't, you know, show up in the octagon that night. I just genuinely think that Tarek actually showed up that night and he had quite a quite a wrestling game that Dongyong maybe underestimated and wasn't ready for. But if I had to pick, I'm yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Stun Gun. I'm gonna go with Dong Yong Kim. I just think some of his highlights. He's super experienced. Um, he's ready to get ready to get in there and fucking make some chaos. Um, next fight we've got in the heavyweight division. We have Andre Arlovsky versus Marcin Tabura. Marcin Tabura. Uh, I had never heard of him before this fight. He's Polish. Um, which straight away I'm going yeah. Fuck, if he's anything like Joanna, I'm ready for this bitch. So, Marcin Tabura, 6 foot 3 inches, 249 pounds, uh, S4 Fight Club. He has a record of 15 wins and 2 losses. 7 of those wins come by knockout, 6 by submission, and 2 by two by decision. Um, So, it basically tells you that this man knows how to strike, he knows how to grapple, he knows how to go the distance. He's got a bit of a gas tank as well. Um, I'm just having a look at how many fights he's had in the UFC. He's only had three. He lost his debut on the Rothwell versus Junior DeSantos card against Timothy Johnson by decision. But on the Rodriguez versus Caceres card, uh, he won by KO against Victor Pesta and then TKO at UFC 209 against um, Luis Henrique. Henrique or Henrique. Um, so... Uh, he it, it's early pickings. It's still a bit hard to tell what his career is going to be like. He's still got a long way to go. Um, he's going up against a real veteran, like a legitimate veteran, somebody that nearly beat Fedor. Um, you can actually find the clip on YouTube. He had Fedor rocked, and it was in a boxing ring. I'm not sure which con- country it was, but Alovsky had him hurt and backed him up into the corner, and he goes to throw a flying knee, and Alovsky just ducks his head and fucking throws an overhand right, and Alovsky gets starched, so 
um, it's, it's don't don't focus so much on the fact that he lost, but the fact that he had um, Fedor rocked and so close to being finished. Um, I'll just list off a couple of people that he has finished, just so you get a real good idea of what um, what Alaski's like. He finished Rumble Johnson in World Series of Fighting. Uh, sorry, decisioned him. He beat uh, Brendan Shaw by decision. He KO'd Bigfoot Silver. TKO'd Travis Brown. Decisioned Frank Mir. And that's when people started thinking, oh, Andre might be making another run uh, at the title because he former heavyweight champion. He'd already fought before. He'd already won the title. Uh, I think he beat, uh, who was it, Tim Sylvia? No. No, no, who was it that he beat for the heavyweight title? Hold on, guys. I'll just... I don't like to give you guys information if it's incorrect. I just want to have a look. No, yeah, it might have been Tim Sylvia. No. Uh, yes, no, Achilles lock. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I might be right. February 5th, 2005. Um, You guys double check that one and get back to me and tell me if I'm wrong. Because I'd love to know. But, yeah, Olofsky went on a hell of a run. And people are going to talk about giving him a title shot until he ran into Stipe. Now, it's not a it's not a shit on Andre. A lot of people ran into Stipe and got wrecked. Um, he fought Alistair over after that. Um, and Alistair ended up fighting Stipe. So, basically, Alosky's really only lost to the creme de la creme, to the, to the, to the champions. He lost to Fedor, Brett Rogers, Antonio Silva, Sergey Karatonov, uh, Rumble Johnson, Stipe Miocic, who's the current heavyweight champion of the world, Alistair Overeem, Josh Barnett, and Francis Ngannou. So, he hasn't lost to nobodies. He's not exactly falling off. He's not getting old, and he's losing to C-rate fighters. They are trying to make him a bit of a journeyman, from what it looks like. He's he's the gatekeeper to see whether guys deserve to be in the UFC, whether they get a, a next step up in regards to competition. But I think Marcin's going to be surprised. A lot of people, I would say, are counting uh, Andre out on this one. Well, all the people I know are counting Andre out on this one. So, I can't wait. I'm going to put a little bit of money on that one. And um, hopefully I can rub it in your fella's face. What do I want to rub in your fella's face? I want to rub... I want to rub... Um, dragon. I want to dragon these nuts. And then I want to rub them in your face if I win. Because it, uh, it'll be... I told you so. Um, and then the main... That was a co-main event. The main event of the night or morning. Depending on when you are in the world. Because remember, this is in Singapore. Uh, we got Holly, the preacher's daughter, home versus Beche Pitbokohea. Now, like I said earlier, this is a a fight. You're going to hear Ronda referenced a lot in this card. I mean, I don't know if you're not going to hear it till the main event or you're going to hear it early on when they do their breakdowns in between prelims and main card. But basically, you've got Holly at home who knocked out Ronda Rousey with a phenomenal fucking head kick. And you've got Bitch Kohea who got knocked out by Ronda with a phenomenal right hand and ended up kissing the straight out of Compton advertisement that was on the UFC canvas. Um... This one's pretty simple for me. I don't feel like this needs a lot of breaking down. Not just because one got knocked out by Ronda and one knocked one um one knocked Ronda out. I just feel like if you look at stylistically, it's a five round fight. Um, Bitch has never had a five round. Uh, Holly has. Holly is coming off um 
quite a few losses. She lost. Uh, let me think. Hold on a second. She lost to uh, what's her name? The one forty-five pound champion, Jermaine Durandamy. That's right. Um, before that, she lost to Misha Tate. Uh, oh no, 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 no. Was it before that? No, there was someone before that. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, that's right. The Russian gangster kickboxer that is fighting against Amanda Nunes coming next. So, basically, Holly's last three fights have been losses. Jermaine Durandamy, Valentina, and Misha. Now, those are all... Those are the, those are the creme de la creme at 135 and 145-pound uh, champion in Jermaine Durandamy. So you can't necessarily say, oh, Holly doesn't have it. She, you know, she's on her way out. She was fucking everybody up. I mean, from day one when she fought Raquel Pennington, I sort of thought, oh, you know, yeah, okay, that's a good fight. Marion Renault, that was close. Then when they gave her Ronda, I was thinking, oh, oh, wow, we could have had a possible star in Holly home. And the UFC just fucked her by putting her against Ronda. She's going to get wrecked now. Um, surprise, surprise, not really a surprise to Honda and Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn, I'm sure, but, um, she whooped that ass, she won that title, and then she went on to go and lose that title, um, and then to lose two more after that, but, looking at, uh, records, and stylistically, Bech Kaheya doesn't have the greatest record either, I think they can combine for their last seven fights, uh, one win, Three, yeah, 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 that's right. Holly's last three fights were all losses. Um, Betcha's last fight was against Marion Renault, which was a draw. Her last fight before that was Jessica I, which was a split decision one at UFC 203. She lost to Raquel Pennington on the on the Glover Teixeira versus Rashad Evans card. And like I said earlier, she got KO'd by Ronda at uh, UFC 190. Apart from Jessica I at uh, UFC 203 last year, her last win by stoppage was 2014. So we've seen a couple of women that have had a bit of problems recently. They've had a lot of success, obviously, in the past. But we're looking at a couple of women that are trying to get back into the win column, trying to get their names back out there, maybe try and, uh, you know, drag Ronda back into the mix, maybe not even for a title shot, but just for a rematch. I know a lot of people would like to see Holly really cement her legacy against Ronda. Um, Bitch, I'm sure, would love to get even with Ronda. But money, uh, breaking it down, worst comes to worst, push for shove, I have to give it to Holly, um, she's got the reach, she's got the cardio, she's got the experience, um, she's got everything in her corner, um, a, the big thing about Betch is she's got really, really good boxing, um, she's got really good hands, but unfortunately for Betch, that happens to be Holly's specialty, I think 17-time world boxing champion, whatever the fucking number was, it kept changing every time I listened uh, to that hype before the Ronda Rousey fight, but so yeah, uh, the one strength that Betch has is Holly's strength, and Holly happens to be better at it, um, so that one's a bit of a no-brainer for me, but uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that one, guys, that card's going to be a stacked card, I think we're going to see quite a few amazing fights, despite it being on... Um, fight past and being in Singapore at a random hour. You guys, I might jump into a little bit of gossip, a little bit of news. Um, I've been looking up a few things. Um, I'll, I'll go back and touch a little bit on the uh, 
Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and TJ Dillashaw subject that I brought up at the Q&A at uh, UFC Auckland. Uh, nobody really answered my question. A um, few people that said they would come on the podcast. Well, they didn't say they'd come on the podcast. I asked them just to come on Skype for a couple of minutes and then I would put it on the podcast. Said they would, haven't. I mean, I'm sure the, the you know the life of a fighter is quite busy, so that's um, that's no shit on the guys. So this is just an update for you guys if you guys are wondering where the interviews are. Nothing yet, guys. I'm waiting to hear a reply, so hopefully I can get that to you guys soon. But referring to the Q&A I brought up, uh, there's been some news. Dana White's finally replied or made a retaliation or a comeback in regards to Mighty Mouse's statement that he made about being bullied and the flyweight division being shut down and uh, not getting pay-per-view points and all this type of deal. Um, Dana came out and said that Mighty Mouse has never wanted pay-per-view points because he's never been confident in his ability to sell pay-per-view points. So he's always wanted a a money up front type deal. Like you've got to guarantee me at least this much if I fight. So, you know, there's, there's, he's got something he can take home to his wife and family, which you can't blame him for. You can't blame him for if that is true. Um, apparently Dana's been telling Mighty Mouse for the last three years that they might be shutting down the, the flyweight division because it's just not a draw. It doesn't do anything for the UFC, apparently, according to Dana and probably some of the new management. Um, and I can't remember, there was something else, but just essentially Dana came out and said, no, everything he said is basically full of shit. Um, I've tried to help him out, he never wanted to meet me in the middle, so again, it's, it's like the same thing when you heard Dana with Randy, or Dana with Tito, or, da- you know, usually when people deal with Dana really closely, you usually have the fighters saying Dana's a cunt, you usually have Dana saying, these guys are fucking spoiled and unrealistic, so that's something that you guys are going to have to figure out yourself, and it's up to, you know, your discretion, your opinion, and whatever other facts you can find out, but if you guys want to have the uh, discussion with me in the comments, please, by all means, um, I'm more than willing to debate this, because I think Mighty Mouse is on the right, I think TJ should sit down and shut the fuck up, no offense, I'm not saying oh, TJ's nothing, but TJ doesn't bring much uh, in regards to a fight, um, if he had the belt, uh, maybe, but the fact that he's, you know, the closest he came to a title shot was because he got on the Ultimate Fighter. It wasn't because he had an amazing performance uh, in, in the UFC recently. Um, I just don't think he brings anything to it, especially in regards to Mighty Mouse breaking the record. So I agree with Mighty Mouse. TJ, get a fight at 125, and then we'll talk. But until then, just keep on thing away, brother. Um... The big thing, the big thing that most people are probably wanting me to get to, or the big thing that I'm really wanting to get to, is it is official, guys. August 26, 2017. You're going to see Floyd Mayweather, 49-0, fight Conor McGregor, the two-division champion in the UFC, the Irish superstar, Mystic Mac, as you would call him. It's official, guys. We're going to see a boxing match between these two. Now, I don't know what the what the specifics are. Like, a lot of people are saying we might see 10-ounce gloves or 8-ounce gloves, um, 12 rounds, 10 rounds. What's the, uh, what's, what's the rest in between rounds? What are the round times? What are the penalties if McGregor forgets it's a boxing match and he ends up kicking him in the legs? So there's all these different rules and regulations and things that have come out. But the big thing that we're really wanting to worry about, guys, is it's fucking official, finally, 
that was the big reason why I never really brought it up in any, any other podcast is because I didn't want to be another one of those outlets that was using it for clickbait, just talking about it over and over again just to get you guys to listen and pay attention. We finally got some substance to the rumor. We finally got some fucking ink on the paper. We're going to see this fight. Finally. So I'm going to make it my mission to try and learn a bit more about boxing so I can break down this fight and give you guys a real unbiased opinion because otherwise I'm just going to sit and go, McGregor's the greatest, McGregor does this, that, and this, that, and Mayweather's old and he ain't shit. And I'm sure, you know, it's a lot easier for me to do that as a podcast, but not exactly exciting or entertaining for you guys. So that'll be something I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time and looking up uh, over the next couple of months. Um, We've got two months-ish before we see that card, um, I would wager that's going to be fucking expensive, um, you know, Man, Man, uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather was an expensive pay-per-view, and that was a shit show of a fucking fight, no offense, so I would wager that these two money-hungry grubs are probably going to charge a fucking arm and a leg and your neck for it, so I hope you guys start saving now, because I know you're going to watch it, don't say you're not, don't say, ah, oh, it's, it's a shame for the sport of this and that and this and that. Go fuck yourself. Save your money. Book the pay-per-view. Go to a bar. Get Sky. Whatever. It's, it's going to be worth, it's going to be worth the money regardless of whether Connor wins or not, in my personal opinion, because he's representing the sport. You don't see the last boxer to jump into MMA and just say, look, boxing's the shit, I'm going to show you guys what's up, was James Tony, and we all know how that went, Randy Couture showed him what a takedown was, and jiu-jitsu, and all that in between, um, so you got to give Connor credit, he's stepping up, he's fighting, oh, one of the greatest of all, go fuck yourself, he's one of the best defensive boxers of all time, I'm sorry, you can't put him on one of the greatest of all time, it's just not fair, it's just not fair for fighters that have done so much more for the sport, especially of boxing, and they do so much better, so, one of the greatest offensive boxers of all time, against one of the biggest stars that the UFC has ever had, and definitely is the biggest star that the UFC currently has, um, even if he loses by this, basically, if, if McGregor goes, even if McGregor goes in and gets knocked out, for that matter, people will just go, well, that's what happens when MMA comes into boxing, you know, they don't spend enough time throwing punches, and I would absolutely agree, 100%, Connor bought off more than he could, bit off more than he could chew, but you don't see many fucking boxers coming over to MMA, because it's not going to be, oh, wow, you know, just, uh, it's not going to be the same thing, it's going to be, no, dude, you don't know how to fight, you're not ready for an actual fight, you can box like a motherfucker, but if we allow anything else, I think if you allow just dirty boxing, grabbing around the back of the head, or really clamping down on an overhook or an underhook in the clinch, um, if they, yeah, if they just allowed clinching in general, that would fuck Mayweather up, because Connor would just bully him, he'd get on the inside, he'd keep him up against the ropes, and he'd soften him up, gas him, and then he'd pick him apart from the outside, just landing that laser left hand, um, theoretically, again, I haven't seen a Mayweather fight in its entirety yet, that's going to be a piece of my homework, so that's going to be something I'm looking for, but guys, please, 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 um, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell me what you guys think about that fight, um, do you think it's going to go all the way, do you think someone's going to get injured and pull pull out, Is uh, uh, put it this way, on the 26th of August, are we going to see these two inside the ring, that's it, you know, 
people expecting the negotiations to take a lot longer than they actually did, people were thinking that McGregor wouldn't actually sign, people were saying Mayweather wouldn't sign, it's not going to be boxing gloves, it's going to be MMA gloves, there were so many different things, explain to me your ideal fight, what would your ideal parameters, rules, regulations, what time of the day, what weight, what month, you tell me guys, please give me a bit of feedback, and if there's anything in particular you guys want me to cover in regards to that card, um, please, again, speak out, um, you guys aren't trees, you got voices, please let me know, it's a bit hard to guess at what you guys want to hear, I'm just talking about what I want to talk about, but, you know, the customer's always right, the listener is always spot on, so, feel free guys, hit me up, I'm not embarrassed, I'm not ashamed, and, uh, I'm not soft, bit of constructive criticism would work too, so yeah guys, that's probably going to wrap up the card for tonight, um, just a real quick breakdown, I had a lot of things I had to do, I didn't get as much time to study this one as I wanted, it's going to be a bit hard with the next couple of weeks, you got back to back to back to back weekends, um, like I said earlier, with life on top of me and uh, you know everything in between, weed, woman and wine, um, making up all three of those things, it's very hard to, to focus um, and do all the things that I want to do, you sort of got to pick and choose, but I will be covering the next card as well, the Michael Kiesa versus Kevin Lee card, that's going to be the battle of your mamas, um, you know, talking about your mama, don't talk about my mama at the press conference, if you don't know, now you know, um, if you still don't know, look it up, come on guys, YouTube, it's definitely worth just a look, Kevin Lee pops Kiesa with the right hand as Kiesa comes running in, because apparently Kevin Lee said something about his mama, so that in itself is going to be a dope main card, that uh, prelim and main card is still up in the air a little bit, I think there's still a few fights to be confirmed, but that's definitely something to look forward to, um, I look forward to watching it, I hope you guys look forward to hearing me talk about it, um, so again guys, I talked about earlier about getting in touch with me, giving me some feedback, if you guys aren't sure where to get in touch with me, it's, um, Blood, Sweat and Cauliflower Air on Facebook, Blood, Sweat and Cauliflower Air at gmail.com as well, um, if you guys are a bit more, uh, Twitter or Instagram happy, it's BSN Collie Air, um, I'll repeat that again, all in lowercase, B-S-N-C-A-U-L-I, E-A-R, um, so yeah guys, I'm good, that's how we're going to wrap it for tonight, um, keep your ears peeled, keep your eyes open, stay high, stay fly, and we'll catch you later, laters! <laughs>